Welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. Today, Matt welcomes fellow Brooklyn resident, content creator, and internet personality, Mike Rugnetta. You might know Mike as host of the Idea Channel for PBS Digital Studios, or as host of the podcast Reasonably Sound. He's also a composer, among other things. With Matt, Mike discusses the origins of the Idea Channel, a YouTube series self-described as examining the connections between pop culture, technology, and art. He talks about the show's development, the origin and impact of his uniquely thorough comment-response videos, and the active community surrounding the series. He also talks about his work with Reasonably Sound, along with his background in theater, music composition, computer science, and critical theory, all of which inform his many projects. Finally, with some inevitable asides on comics, movies, and video games, not to mention a brief host hat switcheroo, here's presenting Matt Storm and Mike Rugnetta. And welcome to another episode of Crash Chords Autographs. My guest today is the one and only Mike Rugnetta. Hello, everybody. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Um, I've been a fan of Idea Channel for a while. I think the first episode I ever saw was the pop music episode that you guys did. Oh, the one where it's like, is pop music holding you hostage? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we often on our, on the other podcast I do, the Crash Chords podcast, we often talk about the redundancies in, in pop music. Oh, sure. And we've reviewed like Katy Perry and we reviewed um, um, Shawn Mendes and a bunch of other pop artists. And so when we first were getting ready to, to do another pop record, my friend Steve's like, oh, let me show you this video. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, I know this guy. I've seen him featured on an extra credits episode once because <laughs> yeah. I could did rung a bell, and uh, and so and so we watched that, and that you know started my now weekly obsessive checking on the videos. It was fun to get into it then, and then do the backlog thing. Oh man! But then the backlog. The thing about the binge watching thing is you get to modern, and then you're like, well, there's no new ones. What, what else, do I do? What, what do I do? So of course, then I go back and watch all the comment responses. Okay. You know, and then can watch them with the episode. Well, let me be the first to thank you for your dedicated viewership. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. It, it's one of those things. I think I love the Idea Channel so much because it reminds me of educational shows I watched growing up that had humor, but also taught you stuff like Bill Nye and Beekman's World. And so it has an air of that. Oh, and I thanks. mean, it's PBS, so, you know, it's in line with those kinds of things. And so that's kind of what sucked me in is like, I love learning stuff. But I like being entertained too, and so yeah. You know. I think I think a lot of the stuff that that we're trying to do is to try to approach these ideas that a lot of people think of as being big and high-minded and abstract and weird and useless, and approach them with this kind of humor and like fun to show that they're not so not so um, daunting, not so intimidating. Uh, so it's nice to hear that you know it sort of works. And it's always interesting, like some of the theories that you guys come up with, or like when you were just doing like uh, fan theory stuff, yeah. and like all some of the fan theories I'd heard of, and then others like were so out there that I'd never heard of. And so it was cool to learn that stuff. And I'm always curious, like, do, where does Idea Channel start when you're making an episode? Obviously, it starts with an idea, but like, what's the kind of typical process from idea to on YouTube? Yeah. yeah. Um, so we actually, we're just in the middle of changing things over 
uh, we're doing a huge production overhaul. Okay. So this is a really f- weird and interesting question to ask now <laughs> because we're in the middle of this big change, and so I'm hypersensitive <laughs> to it and, and like, really sort of critical of the way things are changing. Sure. Change is hard. The way that we used to do it was we would – we were – very dedicated to the idea of timeliness. Right. Which is that we would make an episode once a week mm-hmm. and we would upload it the next week. Okay. And that was just how we did it for three and a half years. Oh, wow. Um, I would write on Monday and the first half of Tuesday. We would shoot that episode on Tuesday afternoon uh, along with the comment responses. And then our um, editor and motion graphics guy would, uh, our editor Ian and our motion graphics guy Ben, would then get a hold of it. It would take a couple days to edit it together. And then that would get uploaded the next Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And so we were just always, we were never ahead. Oh, wow. Because the idea was that we were, we wanted to be nimble to respond to stuff. And what we realized that, after a while, it's that it's that's a real like um, uh, it's a real burden to put on yourself. Sure, and it also doesn't doesn't let episodes sit and develop. Sure, you can't not touch it for a couple days, come back to it, and then think, oh, this is nonsense, <laughs> or oh, I I now for whatever reason have a new perspective on this. Mm-hmm. So now what we do is episodes go four episodes go into production at once. Wow. Um, for anywhere between four and six weeks. Okay. Um, I will bulk bulk write, um, and then so I'll write maybe four episodes over the course of, depending upon how how much I nail it, uh, I'll write I'll write four episodes between in between one week and three weeks. Oh wow. Um, and then they'll all get shot over the course of about a week, maybe a week and a half. Okay. Um, and then they go into production for you know. Upwards of four weeks. Okay. Um, so that they're all they're all coming together um, at once, and so they can inform one another, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, and then so and the the process sort of stacks. So okay. while while episodes are in uh, post production, I'm now writing the next batch of episodes. Got it. Uh, that we're then comparing to what we have coming down the pipeline. Um, and it's nice because what that lets us do is it lets us do things like, I don't know if you've seen, we have, have had recent episodes where we actually go places. Yeah. Oh, those have been great. Thanks. And and I like that because it's, you know, I'll tune in. And so usually like the, the still, you can't really tell if you're traveling or not, but then I'll tune in like for the Fallout 4 one, which I'm, I love Fallout and Fallout 4. Um, and, and it starts and you're in Boston and I'm like, oh, awesome. <laughs> cool. Timely. O- outside of the corner. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I mean that's so we would never be able to do that right. with our old production schedule because we're not going to drive to Boston on on like Tuesday afternoon after I've written the script on Monday <laughs> because it's not until Monday I know that we should drive to Boston. Right. So that lets us do things like go to Boston, go to Las Vegas, uh, you know, go to um, go to Area Fifty One, which we did, and we're looking at future episodes where we go to. I really want to go to Detroit. Cool. Um, you know, I really want to go to uh, somewhere that has some sort of like rich literary history to talk mm-hmm. about to talk about the realness of of fictional places, stuff like that. Uh, and so, and so that's the sort of nuts and bolts of it. Okay, that's like how how episodes come together. Um, so it's a little bit less like regimented and structured now than it was before. Mm-hmm. It's more of a like a, a larger progression for a group of episodes than like you shoot every Tuesday, you you write every Monday. Um, as far as like the sort of the conceptual part of it, uh, um, I'm a big believer in the fact that creativity is a muscle yeah. and that you just exercise it. So I just, I have times during the week in my calendar where it just says, sit down and write. 
and that's I just even if there's nothing in me, I have to. Sit have you down. sat down and been like? And then, uh, like, nothing? Uh, I mean, I have had days that have been really hard yeah. where every word is a struggle and I have no idea what I'm trying to say <laughs> and I hate the blank page or the, you know, blinking cursor. I pace a lot. I argue with my dog because, you know, he'll listen. Can't uh, argue back. Yeah, he can't argue back. Uh, and so that's, you know, the sort of where do the ideas come from or how, how do we get the scripting done is it's just I kind of just have to force myself to do it. And have there ever been ideas that in your brain you're like, this is a great idea. And then as you're writing, you're like, no, we can't do it. I know you did an episode like the trolling episode yeah. where in process you changed the perspective of it because of how it was starting to come across. Have you found something like the idea you wanted to do so bad, but you couldn't write it at all or you couldn't figure out how to put it into an episode? Usually we don't get to a point where that would happen. Okay. It's like I've done enough preliminary either research or writing to know that, that I want to move forward on putting the whole hulking production apparatus. Because uh, I, I work with a, with a production company. They're called Cornhaber Brown. Okay. And so it's while I'm the one who's researching, writing, and hosting, uh, you know, they are producing and I have my, my director Morgan who's mm -hmm. amazing and like I said, our editor Ian and, and graphics guy Ben. So it's like we really have to make sure that that when I start writing this thing, we're yeah. not going to get to a point where I'm like, oh, no, you guys. This is, that, that would this be bad. Is, this is nonsense. Uh-oh, we can't do this. So the trolling episode is one where I thought I knew exactly what I wanted to say. Got it. Got halfway through it. And went. And then no. went, oh, no. This, can't do it. I can't say this. Yeah. Um, there are episodes that I have wanted to do for a really long time that we still haven't really figured out how to do right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've mentioned furries in the fur fandom sure, of course. Uh, in one episode, and I think they deserve their own video. Sure. But I got to make sure we do it right. Sure, of course. And it's just a matter of, of spending the time to eventually figure out how to do that responsibly and what interesting thing about them hasn't been said. Sure. Because it's such a huge and interesting fandom. Lots of people have said lots of things about it. It's very unique. It's very ripe for discussion. Sure. Uh, and so we want to make sure we add to the discussion. Cool. I like also the recent trend. You've done it a couple times now of like the playlist episodes. Mm. Like you did it with the um, the personality quiz and the mu the music videos that are like gifts. Um, and as a music fan, that one was really fascinating. Like these music videos that follow uh, Jife culture. Sorry, I was mispronouncing it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank uh, you. You're welcome. Um, and I just I think. I don't know enough other YouTube channels that are doing that. A lot of people do playlists of just common things or things that go together, but the fact that you're actually creating productive content that links to those videos and you provide those videos, I think is really interesting. Thanks. It's, it was um, really inspired by Vsauce, uh, the Vsauce one, Michael. Right, Michael. Um, uh, Vsauce Michael here. Um, <laughs> used to do these these uh, video series called Leanbacks, mm -hmm. where he would, he would do something like this, yeah. where he would curate a bunch of videos put connective tissue between them and then you could lean back and watch the you know watch this sort of unfold in front of you and that was actually how idea channel got one of its first uh, like viewership boosts was our fifth video oh yeah made its way into a Vsauce lean back oh nice uh, and so when our audience was you know of a size it dawned on me that we should now try to do things like this where we're pointing our audience to things that we think are interesting the first set of videos being, you know, made by the the uh, um, Jaif uh, uh, music video playlist. Uh, you know, Kylie Minogue doesn't necessarily need our help. Sure. But there was a big, the, the Vsauce leanbacks were a big inspiration for trying to deliver that experience of 
we got you these things, we put them together for you, like, here are our ideas about how and why they fit together. Yeah. Uh, to kind of, because it's hard for us to make a 60-minute episode. Sure. But a 60-minute experience is another thing. Yeah, and I mean, like, I learned more about YouTube poop that I'll ever need to know <laughs> thanks to that playlist. Like, I'd, I'd known of it and seen bits and pieces and not really gotten it. And then watched that and I was like, oh, I actually understand this. But still, some of them, like the Mario Brothers one that you said is hard to get through. Like, I did watch the whole thing, but it was rough. It's a little hard to get it's, through. It's a little hard to get through, but it was fascinating because I just... I never thought of it as being something that's intentionally done in this way to invoke a reaction or what they're trying to accomplish. Like, it just seemed like something really weird that people were doing. Well, and I think to listen to a lot of the people who make that kind of stuff, they would be the first people to say, like, eh, we're just messing around. Sure. There's no, there's no larger thing that we mean by it. And I think that that's why YouTube is YouTube poop is so ripe for discussion. Because sure. Even though they don't intend this larger message, I really do think it says a lot about the availability of popular culture and sure. what is entertaining. What is entertaining about it when we mess with it in yeah. some way? Totally. Cool. Um, I want to talk a little bit. We'll go back to Idea Channel, but I want to talk a little bit about podcasting since you are a podcaster as well and your uh, podcast reasonably sound, mm -hmm. which which I really enjoy. Um, I discovered that. Um, right around Thanksgiving when that episode came out and as we discussed off air briefly the cone thing that pulls in the sound for football player yeah, impact the, yeah the parabolic mic the parabolic mic never knew what that was yeah love football and was always like how do they get those and now, bone crunching sounds and now when you watch football do you look for the person on the sidelines like wearing the brightly <laughs> yeah. colored vest it's like the don't tackle me vest yeah um, and I've seen those guys get nailed too yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, probably the crispest <laughs> sound I wonder whether or not those sounds might not make it on air. Right. It's not exactly a, a entertaining uh, biff that happens. So where did uh, Reasonably Sound come from? I think it's really fascinating that you're talking about not just music on that, but just sounds. And some yeah. of like the vacation episode you did where you talked about the sound of the ocean and like just... Which is, feels like it's similar to Idea Channel in the mm -hmm. fact of you're presenting facts and talking about stuff or talking about things that people might be interested in hearing about. But where did specifically Reasonably Sound kind of come from? So uh, I had been... So my background is in music composition and computer science. Okay. Um, and I went to, uh, like, you know, I went to an art school where I studied those things and got really, really interested in just in audio. Sure. Um, and sound and all of the technology and science and then eventually the culture and theory surrounding it. And um, one of the most influential teachers that I had was this gentleman. Um, his name is Randy Neal. Uh, and he was not only my electronic music instructor in college, but he also taught a media studies and critical theory class uh, that had a massive impact on me. It was like my first set of theoretical texts that mm -hmm. I ever read came from that class. And so for me, I think for that reason, Randy cemented the connection that I have between um, audio and th and theory mm -hmm. in some way. Like I, th I, for some reason, just in my brain, the 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 aural um, does have in some way a, a theoretical existence too. You know, it's sure. you know in comparison to visual culture, like visual visual culture makes the you know pictures and movies and all this other stuff very. Uh, easy to get a hold of sure. and very easy to understand. We all have a very strong visual sense. Uh, and so in a way, like, you know, it is maybe defensible that, that audio is more theoretical in some way. Um, and so after having done Idea Channel for a while um, and getting to this place where I wanted then to turn towards 
what my quote unquote background, right. you know, like was sure. in, but to then but to then treat it in the similar way where we're talking about things that happen to you, things that you have an experience of in everyday life, sure. uh, that your your subjective experience of them uh, teaches you stuff about the world. But if you then dive just like two or three steps deeper, you become a little bit more empowered, or at the very least, you learn something, maybe get a little bit more interested. Right. And so Reasonably Sound was, uh, you know, me, I sat down one day and was like, you know, podcast in my notebook, yeah. dash, sound, dot, 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 skip a couple lines, title, reasonably sound, question mark, maybe too dumb. <laughs> and then just started writing, like, you know, the like, wrote, wrote down, you know, uh, the, first, the first couple episodes about how... Uh, noise-canceling headphones work, yeah. or about the primacy of the eye, you know, the primacy of visual culture, and what it means to uh, to sort of live the world, live in the world, giving some kind of uh, some kind of weight or a greater weight to sound, and what that changes about the world. Um, and then I got contacted by a friend of mine, uh, not two days later, saying, "Funny how that works." Yeah, right? saying, "Hey, we're starting a podcasting network. Do you have a podcast that you want to make?" And so then I was, you know, like, well. It's funny you should ask. That's that's really awesome. Yeah, I find that when when wanting to create a, a thing, those pieces tend to sometimes line up really well. Um, I made Crash Chords on a dare pretty much, and then it's existed. And the funny thing about the title is like Crash Chords exists because I was trying to think of a title for my website, and my friend goes, well, people like alliteration. Use alliteration. <laughs> Go with Crash Chords. And I was like, all right, sure. Yeah. And now it's a thing, and like Crash Chords autographs, because I was looking... I wanted the interview series to feel personal because that's the idea. I wanted it to be conversational. I attribute my inspiration for starting a blog and doing podcasting to Chris Hardwick and Nerdist. And so I wanted my conversations with people to feel that way. Just feel natural. Feel not rehearsed. Just feel kind of like, oh, we're just hanging out. And so, you know, autographs. My friend's just like, oh, it's like you're getting their autograph. I was like, that's pretty good. I'm going to steal that. That is good. So And so that's how that was born. And it started out as just music, interviewing musicians because... I have a music podcast, so if I'm going to do interviews, I should do music interviews. But quickly, I ran through my Rolodex of indie rappers that I know like <laughs> 10 of, and I'm like, well, I can't just only in- interview indie rappers. I'm going to run out of people. And so I reached out to comedians and performers, and so now it's kind of grown. I always try and connect it back to music, but if I can't, then I just ask people what their favorite music is, or, you know, like, I'll I mean, still think, talk about music. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's the beautiful thing about music as subject matter, is that it is... It's endlessly applicable. Yeah. Everyone has, at the very least, an interest that you can that you can hinge on. And I think, and I think, especially if you're talking to people who are comedians or other podcasters or or writers, you know, pretty much any creative person, I think, will be able to talk about the influence that a piece of music or musician has had sure. on them and how that is integral to their creative experience and their creative output. Yeah, for sure. And and while we're talking about music, to bring it back to Idea Channel. The record wall, which I love. Yeah. The record wall. Yeah. Was that always just the idea? Like, we just want to have a record wall as the background? Did did somebody suggest it? Like, how did that come to be, the record wall? Uh, so and the records on it. How did sure. that come to be? It's a combination of two things. Um, when Idea Channel first started, Ray William Johnson was the number one most subscribed YouTuber. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you remember his background was, and I think still is, a corner of a wall with a bunch of comic book pages oh, yes. pasted to mm-hmm. it. And so Idea Channel, very much being a show that is an example of the things that it talks about, mm-hmm. we were trying to figure out how we could sort of ape the visual style of what was 
the the popular format of vlogging at the time. Right. And so we thought, okay, corner, colorful. What goes what goes on it? And the reason we went with records and the reason that that answer was so easy for us was because Idea Channel was originally a music show. Um, it was when it when I first got approached by PBS Digital Studios to make a YouTube show, they said, do you want to make a music show with us? And I said, yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, and so we made a couple, we did a couple pilots mm-hmm. and we're happy with them, but then thought, oh, if we're going to talk this way about music, like why not talk this way about everything? Everything. And so while the show changed, the, the, background, wall the background stayed. Um, I thought it was really cool um, when the at the week that Bowie had passed away that you guys made Space Oddity front and center yeah, yeah. on the record wall. I think that's really cool. I like that also in some episodes you randomly just go, oh, and let's it's time to change <laughs> yeah. this there and this there. Um, have you ever thought about a complete overhaul of new records or do you like that it just kind of moves around a so little? So we did, we had um, records that were essentially what was lying around in the studio, mm-hmm. um, which we then redid... Uh, all at once, probably after like a year and a half, and then we replaced them one by one maybe a year and a half ago, Mm -hmm. and then we started asking for people to send records in, and we got maybe 50 or 100, which adorn the outside of the old set. Oh, cool. And what's actually really exciting is that we we now have a new set that a friend of mine has designed and built, and so it's actually just kind of like a small room um, that has shelves and oh, a place awesome. for a record player. Oh, cool! Uh, and a little book and like a bookshelf on it, and all of these great, all of these great features. It has a coffee bar. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, Big time now. Uh, yeah, I look. I walk into the studio every day. I look at it. I'm like, oh my god, we are so fancy. <laughs> um, and so what's going to happen is we're going to take down the record corner, mm-hmm. and it will be sort of a. There'll be. Be, I've been calling it the record swish, okay. um, which is a no, essential nonsense. But there's just, we're, we're basically going to outline a nice little shape that goes from one corner of the set to the other corner of the, oh, shape, cool. the set in records in a kind of Nike swoosh swish pattern. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know. I haven't figured out how we're going to decide if we're going to keep stuff or if we're going to get new stuff. The re- most of the stuff that's up there now that you see is stuff that is there because I just, I love those records. Sure. So it's like Derek Bailey is one of my favorite guitar players of all time. You know, I'm a massive Tim Hecker fan. I've probably seen him live more than anyone else. Of course, big David Bowie fan, and that sure. record was gifted to us by Anthony Fantano from The Needle Drop. Oh, who cool. A, who I'm a huge fan of. Uh, you know, we have Ak Young Lee up there, Negative Land, um, Ravi Shankar. You know, it's like all yeah. just all just music that I have a personal association with. Oh, cool. Um, and then on the outer edges of that, the stuff that people have sent us for very awesome reasons, you know, people who, um, you know, someone sent us a uh, um, like to- a Talking Heads record because it was the first piece of music that they had ever purchased and realized that, you know, music was not just a commodity, it was an art form. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, people sending, uh, a friend of mine sent the, uh, the Super Bowl Shuffle, <laughs> uh, which just has a great cover to it. Oh, I'm sure. So it's like, it's all this stuff that has that for for the people who chose it. Have a personal reason. Yeah, so, oh, gotta, cool. so when we redo it, we got to figure out what the new rubric is, mm-hmm. but it'll be something. Very cool. 
Um, so this, while we're talking about music some more, you do composition and writing for music, um, and it's connected to theater, and just you've partnered with a bunch of different people. How did you start doing that? Is that something that you've just been doing since you, you were in school, or...? Yeah, yeah. So uh, when I say that my degree was in music composition and computer science, um, what I ended up doing throughout most of college is putting both of those things to work, making music for theater and dance. Oh, cool. So, like, while I, di- I didn't really study theater, I, did a- I spent most of college working in theaters, um, either writing music or writing computer programs that wrote music. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I moved to New York, that's what I did for the first, like, maybe, f- like, seven years I lived here was, was um, writing music for... And when did you move to New York? Uh, in 2006. Sorry to put you on the spot. Yeah, 2006. For those who can't see because it's an audio medium, Mike was counting on his fingers yeah. to make sure. Yeah. So for the first 20 years I was here. Yeah. It's funny, my wife is from Arizona and she's been here for 15 years and if I'm wrong, she'll yell at me later. But she hasn't been here her whole life. So whenever she talks about how long she's been here, I go, wow, that's so long. I've been here for 33 years of my life because I've always been here. And she just rolls her eyes at me. Um, Were you born in Brooklyn? Or I was born in Brooklyn, moved to Staten Island when I was three, Yeah. Uh, so I'm told, because I don't think I actually vividly remember. And then I lived in Staten Island until three years ago when I met my wife, started setting up shop here, and cool. haven't left. Not to change the subject, but what's it like growing up on Staten Island? It's funny. So many people ask me that. Yeah. So many people who aren't from New York or, haven't, or, or who haven't lived in New York are always like, What's Staten Island like? It's a suburb. I mean, I used to like I taught guest classes at the like the College of Staten Island, sure. And like, so like I've been and I'm, like I know there's great pizza and tons of parkland. Yes. So like I know I know the hits. <laughs> so I actually went to the College of Staten Island. That's where my oh, degree right. is from um, in corporate communications, it's which I place. like to call business light. It's for <laughs> for me. It was I couldn't handle economics level two, so I defaulted to corporate communications and then didn't have to take economics anymore. So that was my out. But I had some really great communications courses, and now I'm working in media and communications. Took a roundabout path to get there, Worked but out. I'm, there now. I'm there now. And so, yeah, so growing up in Staten Island, I loved it. I mean, a lot of people hated it. Um, you know, it wasn't perfect having the dump on hot summer days. And I oh, lived in, I, oh, yeah. I lived in Village Greens, which is in Arden Heights, which is right across the street. So on the really bad summer days, it was not great um but but you know i liked my friends in my neighborhood and i i liked i didn't love going to school in staten island because high school was tough because i was a nerd who then became a metalhead and then like a gob and you know sure, sure, sure. greatest I know, hits i know the pathway yeah, yeah was, and yeah, yeah. you know um there might have been I some did, grunge in there i think i did yeah like got like grunge goth like raver oh i did raver too punk that rock I think yeah. it was the like final. Yeah. Really, I mean, I here I am sitting dressed in all black, so maybe goth was maybe really <laughs> the lighter. Though, though I did bring my leather jacket. So <laughs> okay, yeah, there you go. So it's kind of a mix of both. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so high school was tough in that respect. You know, I had the glasses that were thick as coke bottles, and you know, button-down shirts in grade school. Like yeah, yeah. So so I didn't love going to school in Staten Island, but I liked hanging out here. I mean, the mall. You know, any suburb, the mall is the place. Yeah, I worked but- there. I hung out there. I caused trouble there. If I caused trouble, I mean, I would give the waiters an Applebee's a hard time because I'm not 
I'm not, you know, knocking stuff over and breaking stuff. That wasn't my deal. The trouble that a nerd who goes to the mall gets, <laughs> gets yeah. into, yeah. yeah. Like, mall you, rats, I identified with mall rats growing up because that's really what it felt like yeah. for me, you know. You'll abuse the skee-ball machine at the arcade a little bit. And yeah. that's really the longest. Maybe short. throw it or yeah. stand on it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, I didn't mind. I have a lot of friends who moved out of New, uh, Staten Island or New York as a whole and were like, oh, I hated it in Staten Island. It was terrible. It was a suburb. I mean, I had a car. I could yeah. get around. Like, you know, I like Brooklyn better. The whole getting to work in a half hour is great when I work, you know, on, on East 23rd. Um, whereas in Staten Island, when I was living in Staten Island, I had one job. I was working in Long Island. So my commute oh. was by car driving two to two and a half hours one way. Um, and I drove a Jeep at the time. So I was spending over $120 a week on gas. And that was back when gas was $4 yeah, a yeah. gallon. Um, now I drive a Hyundai Elantra and I drive it maybe twice a week yeah. because I'm in Brooklyn. And I Also, I, you can't move it because you'll lose your parking space. Right. So. Or because alternate side, <laughs> I have to have it at a certain place. And so when I spend 20 bucks on a tank of gas, I'm still like, wow, that's so cheap. And my wife is just like, it's because you have a smaller car. <laughs> like... It still astonishes me. Now the gas is below like $2 in some places. I'm like, wow, amazing. Yeah. Um, um, so like growing, like when you're in, growing up in Staten Island, do you, what's the, um, not to turn this like, I'm, now I'm going to interview please you. Please do. This uh, is, I, I'm enjoying this very much. Do you get, do you get the, the sort of, I don't know how to describe it. Are you affected by the cultural aura that is, you know, New York City when you're in Staten Island? Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of people have this sense that Staten Island is such just an other plane. It's such a, a different location. Yeah, I think that comes from just because we're not connected to any subways. The Staten Island literally has one subway that goes from the ferry to the other end of Staten Island and has like 10 stops. Okay. Like it's useless. The the buses are less useless, but public transportation on Staten Island sucks, so it feels like a void. Um, but I mean, I went to the city all the time. Um, you know, I grew up driving to the ferry and then yeah. parking at the ferry, then getting on the ferry to go to the city and then getting on the train and so, so anywhere really, I wanted to be take it an hour and a half so it felt removed but not completely so it's really removed. probably not that much different you know like I grew up um, outside of Boston mm -hmm. and me and my friends would spend you know every weekend trying to angle for how to get into the city to go and see a punk rock show in a yeah. basement of a college Same somewhere thing, yeah. or like you know a noise show at you know some weird uh, abandoned something or other or, where outside yeah. of Boston were you? Uh, I grew up in a small very very small town called Medfield oh cool yeah. uh, uh, my wife has an aunt who lives in Brookline oh yeah so we're yeah. in Brookline all the time cool. uh, we go to Coolidge Corner constantly yeah, it's yeah. adorable little like that's the kind of place in Boston you know or in Massachusetts that I would go and be like I could live here, like Boston proper. Like I've gone there for conventions and stuff, and it's just a little too busy for me. But you know, Coolidge Corner in that area still feels suburban enough. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a nice little area. I can see it. Um, yeah, you know, I know that growing up in Staten Island, it felt like there was just like my friends who lived in Brooklyn. They would go out. They would decide at nine o'clock at night that they were going to go into the city, and then they would call <laughs> yeah, me. Yep. I'd be like, "All right, guys, I'll see you at ten thirty. I'll be there." And then I'll get there, and like three people had left already, because mm -hmm. you know it takes so long. But, uh, but I loved it. It's funny, when I first started going into the city, um, so I have the cliche Jewish protective mother. Okay. I love my mother, but she always, it's her job to protect me. It always has been, it always will be. And when I first started going to the city by myself, probably in high school, I would tell her I'm going to Times Square, and she would go, you can't go there. You can't go into Tom's, Times Square. And I'm like, Mom, when's the last time you were even yeah, on a subway It's not like train? what it is in no. 1990, what it was in 1992 anymore. And so, but she still had that picture of it. So I had to fight tooth and nail to go in the city by myself at night 
on the subway. Like the subway was this terrible thing. I was like, Mont, it's okay, I'll be fine. It was you know? this was this in like two thousand one? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it was like, you know, and which I understood, I I didn't understood in the moment, but then I actually like time like, yeah, well, it was pretty bad. Yeah, it was, like, yeah. you know, there were pretty much hookers on every corner at one point, so you can't really walk around there. So, but uh, but yeah, I didn't, I truly didn't mind it. It did, it did get a bad rap from things like the Jersey Shore and. Yeah. Like, I love when people are like, oh, everyone, they're all like Snooky and Stan Island. Like, mm, we're not. Nobody's like anything anywhere. Like, if you see a cliche, like, not all British chefs are Gordon Ramsay, not, you know, you know, it's just that that's not how that works. It's these are reality shows that are depicting a very specific thing. Yeah, and so. they just flatten the whole population into one set of very easy to understand symbols that, you know. Yeah, exactly. How they can digest it. But uh, but I definitely do like living in Brooklyn much better. I like being able to leave my car and just hop on a train. And, yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't mind public transportation. It's good podcast slash music listening time. <laughs> yep. And so, you know, I don't mind commuting. I minded the two and a half hour commute I had to Long Island. But, like, taking a train, like, I don't mind if it's crowded and I have to stand. Um, I don't get enough 3DS time on the train anymore now that it's crowded. Yeah. Because I, uh, I used to just lean against an unoccupied wall or sit in a chair and play it. But now that they're kind of overcrowded these days, it's like I can't even get my 3DS out of my pocket. I feel that way about um, reading comic books oh, on, sure. on the train. Where it's yeah. like when it's really, like, you know, recently my, my rides have been more crowded and I don't want to... One, because I, for some reason I still feel some amount of guilt for reading mm-hmm. comic books. And I don't know why. It's the same for me. But I, like, I, just, I, I feel I just that do. too. Uh, and then the other being being that I uh, I who knows what's on the next page yeah so that's it compounds the guilt yeah yeah no yeah that's I've I've had that experience like listening to music with maybe a lot of cursing in it and it's very loud and I'm like <laughs> you're looking like, at go, the people around yeah, you yeah like mm-hmm. yeah um, so the I don't mind the commute that much but it's it's I'm losing on proper nerd time because. Sardine cans doesn't allow for it. Like, I used to read books and comic books on the train, too, a lot more, and now yeah. I find less. Do you have a favorite comic book you're reading now or a favorite comic in general? Um, I think probably Saga is still really high on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it I think it dipped a little bit in my, my like, top five for, for an arc or two, and now I feel like it's on an upswing again. Okay. Um, what else am I reading a lot of? Um, I'm slowly getting caught up on, um, what's it called? Southern Bastards? I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of that. I oh, haven't read it. It's good? crazy good. I mean, not good enough, apparently, that, <laughs> to, I'm, to that I'm confident about the title. Oh, God. There goes all my, <laughs> that's nerd, okay. there goes all my nerd cred. It's fine. If we get hate comments, I'll delete them. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, I, I can't keep up with comic books anymore. I did as a kid, and it's just it's so overwhelming. So I'll buy, like, trades of stuff. Like, yeah. I'm, I have, I think, the first three trades of Walking Dead, which I love, yeah. but I'm so far behind. I read, I don't know if you ever read Chew? When it's an image yeah. comic. It's about a detective who's a chipopath, which means when he eats stuff, he gets visions. What? And it's in a world where most poultry and meats is re- regulated and outlawed. And it starts with him going to a place where you're not supposed to have actual broth with meat, and he eats it. And it was made with human parts, so he gets a sense of a guy that was murdered. And, like, it starts this whole thing. That's crazy. And, like, the... Not the FDA, but, like, the, the, the people who go after, like, monitor that stuff in real life, they're, like, this government authority that right. monitors everybody. It's really interesting, and so I really liked it, and uh, I read, like, the first three trades and then fell out of sync with it. It's just, I, have, I have trouble keeping up with it. It's why I love comic book movies, because I just get the cliff notes. Yeah, yeah, Or if it's properties that I liked but didn't read all of, I can enjoy the changes they make. 
it's it's really tough. I think it's um it, I'm I always am behind in my comics reading and when there are big continuity shifts like there just was in the Marvel universe with mm-hmm. the battle world whatever yeah, yeah, you, yeah. if you, you I, I saw articles good about that you it. don't know I have to I have to send e- I have to send work like emails <laughs> to my friends being like hey so Scott I here's what I understand <laughs> Do you, am I right here? Is this wrong? Like, just let me know where I'm off base, <laughs> and because uh, I want to make sure that I understand this. And uh, you know, like, what kinds? What's on my action item list? Uh, <laughs> how do I address the the uh, gaps in my knowledge? Sure. Oh God. Well, it's like with Deadpool getting this kind of resurgence of popularity. Like, I've only, my only experience with Deadpool was in the cartoons and the comic book and early comic books. And, and then so, video so, games. He's so different in the early comics. And yeah. like in the video games too, like. There was an old game for Xbox called Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2 where it's like a gauntlet style kind of game where you're playing as all these Marvel heroes. When he comes in, he like starts talking to the screen, talking about how he should have opened an email with a better power upgrade. And like <laughs> He breaks the phone with one. I'm like, oh, I really like this character. I want to know more. So I asked a friend of mine with a straight face, so where should I start with Deadpool? Oh, God. And he went... Um, 1994. Yeah, like, and I'm like, I'm gonna just see the movie and 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 watch the cartoon. The um the Brian Posen uh, series are really good. Oh yeah, they're recent. They stand alone, and they are the Deadpool greatest hits. Oh cool. Like he does all of the things that you want Deadpool to, to do, do as someone who is familiar with the kind of mythological version of his character. Got You're it. like, you want him to be a wisecracking. You know, like looking out at the yeah. audience, like in sort of semi invincible mercenary, right? And so, uh, the I think the first the first collection from that series is called Dead Presidents. Okay, so like that's a great. I'll and have to check that out. And I think it's maybe a four issue or oh, six cool. issue trade, so it's a quick read. Oh, nice, really good. I'll have to check that out. Also, the Idea Channel that came out on the uh, on my way here <laughs> uh, is about Deadpool. Oh, awesome! So you, exciting. You know, yeah. Um, yeah, this uh, this will. A, a little insight to the, the how we release. So I have another interview banked, which will come out in two weeks. So this will come out in After four that. weeks. So I'll be sure to send you an email reminder when it's going to be Sweet. out and stuff, so you can share it around. But uh, but yeah, I actually saw Deadpool Tuesday morning because when you're leaving a job and you have no work to do, you go see Deadpool go with see your Deadpool. coworkers. And I enjoyed it. I thought it was phenomenally ridiculous. Like, and it's as someone who's been stressed out about his job for the last couple of months seeing something that stupid was and just hilarious and ridiculous was exactly what I needed hugely cathartic yes a weird a weird kind of competence porn yeah. like watching someone be really good at just destroying the bad guy well and also as someone who loves Hal Jordan's Green Lantern and grew up reading Green Lantern and then seeing the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern which they poke fun at quite a bit in the quite a bit of it, I that was cathartic as well because I still say when my friends talk about the Green Lantern movie, I go, well, it wasn't that bad. I'm that guy. Because I want to love it so much because I love Green Lantern and I love Ryan Reynolds. And so I was like, how could this go wrong? Mark Strong as Sinestro? This is perfect. No, it no. wasn't. It wasn't perfect at all. I love the dig that where he's, uh, they're taking him into the operating room. Oh, yeah. He's like, like, don't make the super suit green or, or animated. animated. Uh, yeah. Kills me. Yeah, th- there were a lot of... And I loved... I'm an old-school Colossus fan who's underrated. Like, Wolverine's my favorite, but Colossus is a close second. And he had so many great lines in that movie. And it, I want to high-five you. 
Yes. Yes, on air high five. Yeah, I, I, I do remember the old X-Men arcade game. I do. Where you could play as Dazzler, Wolverine, Colossus. Yes. I love playing as Colossus, the roar he would do in Shockwave. Yeah. Yeah, one of my favorite characters. I think my my all-time favorite X-Men, like Marvel Universe people, yeah. are uh, Deadpool and Cable yeah. and Colossus. Yeah. Mine are, it's Colossus. Wolverine, and then the anti-hero Venom when he yep. was Eddie Brock. Yep. All the other... I've read some Agent Agent Venom where he's Flash Thompson. Those are okay. Oh, I don't know that. Yeah. Flash Thompson eventually gets the symbiote and becomes Agent Venom. Okay. And he's like... He's, God, Spider-Man continuity. Oh, my God. Also. I started watching... Uh, reading, rather, Ultimate Spider-Man, the first couple of like big collections recently, and I love them. Um, I thought they were really good. Because I wanted to jump into Spider-Man again, but I was not going back to the main universe. I yeah. just I couldn't. So my friend recommended Ultimate Spider-Man. Also, I want to get to the point where it becomes Miles Morales because I love that. And so I'm slowly, slowly making my way through that. I just read through all of those and the Spider-Gwen uh, oh, spin-off. Awesome. Super good. Super good. Yeah, really I'm good. excited Really, about like, that. nice, like, just the attitude about them is really good. They look really great. The stories are fun. Yeah. See, now that we're talking about comic books, my brain is going in 18 <laughs> different directions. Okay, all right. So, back on track. But I'll, I'll try. Well, before we get back on, on stuff about you because I think this is great also I want to ask my favorite video game slash comic book movie of all time is Scott Pilgrim do you agree yes or no Ooh, I don't know. So I'm really bad at picking favorites. Okay. Um, Do you, did you enjoy Scott Pilgrim? I loved the comics and I really, really loved the movie. Okay. I think I think if I absolutely had to pick in this moment, it would it would be pretty high on the list. Yeah. It would be pretty high on the I list. I think for me the reason I love it so much is because not only is the movie incredible and I love Edgar Wright, yeah. but the soundtrack is one of my favorite movie soundtracks, especially modern movies. And they also captured so much about what Brian Lee O'Malley nailed mm -hmm. in the books yeah. in a completely different medium, which yeah. is so hard to do. Yep. And it's great to sit down and watch it and think, I'm watching a comic book. This is exactly a comic book movie, which so rarely is a feeling that you have. Yeah. In the theater, I felt like this movie was made just for me. Not everyone, just for me. Yeah. Because, like, the video game references, the comic book references, like, it was just... And then the stunt... Not stunt casting, but, like, the guest stars, like, um, Chris Evans and, right. and Brandon Routh. Like, yeah. like, all of them were good, but those two especially were so good at playing... Dumb assholes, like it just—it really, really nailed it. Really nailed it. Um, and it was just good casting based upon the what you understand from those characters from the book. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. Like he would be that character. Yeah, it's a good. Yeah. Um, so then, being a big comic book fan, how do you feel about the MCU and DC's movie? Dabbling. Um, I personally am not fond of the DC movies. Like, I love the Chris Nolan Batmans, but I feel like super the more recent Superman was not great. And I only want to see the new one for Ben Affleck as Batman because I actually think he'll do a good job. Oh, all right. Only because I think he looks the part of a grizzled Dark Knight Returns Batman, like Bruce Wayne, really well. That doesn't mean the writing will be good. But yeah. I think he... And plus, uh, Jeremy Irons is... Alfred, I think, is great. Yeah. Everything else I have doubts about. But the MCU I love. I have almost no complaints. How do you feel as a... Because you're probably w better and more knowledgeable about the comic books than I am. I mean, I so my, my most recent um, experience with the MCU, other than Deadpool, mm -hmm. was... Jessica Jones, oh, which, which was, was a, I think, a triumph. Oh, my God, yeah. They really, really nailed it. And mm -hmm. so, I mean, that's going to color my overall opinion <laughs> of the MCU. And, like, I, you know, 
Like I really love Peggy Carter, and I've been. I've I been feel like I'm the only or person Agent, who watched Agent Carter. Agent Carter. Yeah. Me and my wife feel like we're the only people watching that in Agents of Shield anymore. Like, yeah, I love both the shows. See, so I gave up on Agents of Shield. I was not. When a did huge, you give up on it? I, so I gave up too soon. I've been told several yeah. times before the end of the second season. Yeah, it gets better. It gets a little bit better at the end of the first season, and then halfway through the second season, it yeah. picks up. Yeah. Um. But uh. But I love Agent Carter more. By yeah. By no means is it. And I think I think one of the things that makes for me the Marvel Cinematic Universe more entertaining and gripping than a lot of what DC is doing mm-hmm. is that DC really cornered the market with so many of their of their film properties mm-hmm. on um, grim darkness. Yeah, and it's like I like it's I grim darkness has its place. You know, I can appreciate um, tabletop wargaming. Yeah. Warhammer 40k is really interesting yes, and fun. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, like, I DM a Shadowrun game. So oh, like, awesome. I, yeah, like, I get it. Cool. But I think that the, the tonal range of all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff is so much greater and so much more self-aware than the DC stuff. It's not as exhausting. Yeah, that by absolutely the, agree. By, even, by, even the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, by the by the end of them, yeah. my attitude was like, I, I, I get it. Yeah. Like I get yeah. it. Well, yeah, like with those, with the, the Nolan Batmans, like the, the Dark Knight is my favorite, obviously. Heath Ledger's Joker is probably yeah. my favorite version of on-screen Joker. But... I agree. Like at, the third one was just like, okay, like this is well done, but I, enough. Yeah. And that's exactly how I feel about Superman and all the other stuff that they're doing. Like now, this Justice League is gonna. Oh, they're all gonna be that grim. Like, are they doing a Justice League? So they've announced that because I know they're. Wait, so there's uh, what's the uh, Suicide Squad? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they're doing a Justice League eventually. In I've heard rumors that in the new Batman vs Superman. All of the major um, characters will have a brief cameo that they're doing in their Justice League, which is Flash, Cyborg, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Batman, and 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 sure. and Superman. And I'm just like grim Justice League. Like <laughs> we do remember the Superman, Super Friends, right? Yeah. Like they had a monkey. Yeah. The Super Friends had a monkey. Like they were basically in the UN building. Yeah. You know. So I don't know. I agree. I think that the MCU, like. They get when to use humor, and they also do serious movies really well too. Like Cap- the second Captain America Pretty was nice. a spy movie, yeah. and there wasn't as many funny moments in it, and it still worked just as well. well I mean, I think look at um, you know like Daredevil is like grim darkness, <sighs> yeah. like you know through and through. And that TV show was. I, it's funny you mentioned Jessica Jones before. I saw Daredevil and went, this is perfect. There's no way they're going to make any of these other shows are going to be better than Daredevil. And then we watched Jessica Jones, and I'm like, I was wrong. I, I'm so happy to have been wrong. <laughs> Also, Doctor Who fan, David Tennant, so good at playing someone you want to like, but you shouldn't, and then you hate. Yeah. So good. Nailed it. As the Purple Man. He was just unbelievable. Um, I feel like we could go on forever about nerdy things. <laughs> I feel like opening up the Doctor Who can of worms is going to take us. Who's your favorite Doctor? Um, so, I really like Peter Capaldi. Me too. I really, really like Peter Me Capaldi. Me too. My favorite is Christopher Eccleston. Yeah. And I like Peter Capaldi because he reminds me of Eccleston. <laughs> Eccleston was the dark, serious, occasionally funny doctor. Yeah. And Capaldi does that really well too. Yeah. Um, um, I always find it's important to ask people's favorite doctor. It just it gives perspective yeah, yeah, yeah. On, the, on the kind of person they are, you know? You, you learn a, a little bit about them. Um, so... Going back to Idea Channel, you're redoing this. You redid the studio space. You're changing the process. Are there any other big changes coming up for Idea Channel or new things you yeah. want to try? I mean, we're always trying to do like. So I, I'm a real big proponent of just not getting 
bored and not yeah. doing the same thing over and over again. And we did the same thing for a, for a while, for about the first year of the show, mm-hmm. to just I think as an effect of us figuring out how to just make a show and how to make this thing work. Sure. And so now we're we're trying to um, change it up to see not only how we are at it, mm-hmm. whether or not we're good at it, um, but to also <clears throat> give our audience something else to mull over or to look at, to mm-hmm. sort of change it up a little bit, and also to sort of challenge them a little bit. Sure. Um, to, to challenge expectations and say, you know, hey, it's not, we're not just um, sitting in a corner and asking, you know, is this thing you love an example of this high-minded concept? Right. Um, and so, and so, the Fallout video and the Deadpool video and next week's video mm-hmm. are a set of three videos that are longer. They're each about 15 minutes, which mm-hmm. are on the long end for Idea Channel, that are really uh, theory heavy. Mm-hmm. So it's just a lot of a lot of information. Okay. Uh, and just as like a just as to try to f- see if we can do that, if mm-hmm. we're good at it, if people respond positively to it. Cool. And that comes on the heels of two episodes that were formal experiments where right. you know the one where yeah. we, it was a quiz or a p- playlist. That was fun to go through that. When I first did the quiz the first time I went it's just they all got it's got to be the same result. <laughs> the, the thing that you said people were going to do. Yeah. And then I went through it like three or four times and never got the same one just choosing different answers is like this is great. Like, you know, and I, I like I think the first one I got was the Captain America I get that reference gift yep. is the first one I got. So that means that you answered most of the questions the way that Idea Channel lore would dictate you should answer them. Interesting. That's good to know. <laughs> um, so you chose you would have chosen Jaif. Yep. Um you would have chosen Simone de Beauvoir. Uh-huh. You would have chosen the first bacon bowl. Yes. And you would have chosen um wait, what was the last question? Oh, there was the long it was the really long answers. They were like Oh, it was uh, like like which truth do you so individual truth. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that's amazing <laughs> no, that you remember all truth. of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so I, I know you talked about it on that episode a little bit, but like that must have been a long process to create the the, the data management to make that that system. Yeah, it was. Um, we. Uh, I'm really lucky to have friends at YouTube who are researchers and engineers and a couple designers. Oh, cool. Who um, like you know they're they're really they try to be responsive to what creators are doing and mm-hmm. know what kinds of things we're interested in and what kinds of technology is helpful for us. And I just asked them one day about creating a system where we could have footnotes, mm-hmm. um, like video footnotes. And they said, well, you can use the card feature to point to an external website. Um, and so I worked with them to build our Footnotes website. That's awesome. So if you go to footnotes.pbsideachannel.com, you have a list of all of the sources for every video. Oh, um, awesome. And so once that was in place, I realized that um, you can link to pretty much anything as long as it's on the right of, like, the approved site URL. Interesting. And so then I thought, like, okay, so I wonder if Google would break... If YouTube would break or complain if we linked people to a site that was to a page where all it did was drop a cookie on their computer Mm -hmm. and then forward them to another video. And so then I reached out to a friend of a friend. We spent a little while sort of just, you know, a day or two putting together a test case and it worked. Mm -hmm. So we figured out that YouTube wasn't like, uh, you're trying to do something weird and that's against the rules. Uh, and so then I worked with with him, uh, this guy Ian Pierce, for three months mm-hmm. to build, yeah, a, a system where what the cookie is doing is it's recording 
the last thing that you clicked in a video based upon what uh, URL um, parameters there are and then keeping track of it over the course of four videos. That's crazy. To then, to then create an average or a you know, result from how you've clicked that then sends you to the right playlist. That's unbelievable. That's really cool. Yeah, so all told, it was probably like, you know, working with Ian was three months, and then um, it took about, I don't know, maybe six to nine months for Footnotes, the website, oh, wow. to like really come together. So That's cool. It was a long, it's a, it was a long process. Yeah, the, the GIFs and Idea Channel have warped my brain a little, so like now if anyone says the word huge, I can't help but go, huge! You know, it's just... I can't help it. Um, um, whenever, whenever anybody says no, uh, really curtly or quickly, I can't help but think of the asset that Ian always uses with that's um, a Twilight parody. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be like, Jacob, put your shirt on. No, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I actually looked up that parody because I kept seeing yeah. it, and I'm like, what is this? I have to know. And I looked, it, I looked up and watched the whole parody. It's hilarious yeah. and so dumb. <laughs> um, but. Uh, I think it's kind of cool the culture and the 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 audience that's developed around Idea Channel. Like I have not been reaching out to you to do the podcast was brave enough for me because I'm an awkward nerd. I have not braved the comment section yet to put a comment <laughs> or a question because I in my brain I'm like, well, that's stupid. He's not going to want to read that on air. Why are you even typing oh, come that? On. <laughs> no. So I'm my own worst enemy when it comes to that. But I think it's really cool that you guys have the Reddit community and the comments community because YouTube is notoriously not great for comments. And I'm sure your videos get your fair share of stupid comments yeah, too. Yeah, 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 of course. But I think that you still have this great community, like the fact that you have a classroom of students that use it and that you actually visited that classroom in a video, like I just think that's fantastic, that kind of community. Is that something that kind of felt like it was always there from the beginning or did it kind of develop? I mean, it's really hard. I think really we're super lucky yeah. to have cultivated the audience that we have. It's, it is amazing and it's really, really humbling because so many of our subscribers are a thousand times smarter than anyone who works on the show. Um, and so we have, we have um, neuroscientists and sociologists and Wittgenstein scholars and like philosophy PhDs and theory PhDs and tons of um, theology master's students wow. like writing these amazing comments that put my scripts and ideas to terrible shame. And so, like, I look at those and I think, what have we done <laughs> to deserve this? Yeah. Because really what that is is that's a resource, not only for me, like, yeah. I get to learn something awesome from all of these people, but for the people who above and below them are like, ha, huh, I like that gif, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, exactly, sure. Um, uh, I like that jife. Um, yeah, don't, don't, don't let that get yeah. out, you know. Uh, and um, so I, I think that we, to a certain degree, we're lucky. Very, very lucky. Um, I like to think, but can't know for sure, mm -hmm. that the fact that it's clear and a clear part of the format of the show that yeah. I'm reading the comments, yeah. I'm going to respond to some of the comments, in some way incentivizes people yeah, to, sure. to write a good comment. Mm -hmm. But that really only goes so far. Sure. Um, and that... And that the gap of effort needs to be crossed for some reason. Yeah. And that I would guess a Wittgenstein scholar... Like doesn't really need my <laughs> approval that we have done something or cultivated a group of people right. or just happen to have put together this piece of media that for whatever reason speaks to them, attracts them, and keeps them coming back. Sure. Is, you know, it it's it's crazy humbling. 
that's that's awesome yeah i love it i love it's funny i didn't read the comment i didn't watch the comment response videos at first because i was like what do i want to watch that for i'm going to watch the actual video i want to hear what mike has to say that's i mean in your and you are not in that in that preference yeah that is 60 percent of our audience so it's you know a significant number of people like they're like yeah it's fine whatever which is fine but as i went through the backlog the older videos the comment responses are just at the end and i started watching them and went Oh, this was really cool. And so then, of course, I had to go after finishing the backlog through all of the comment responses backlogs. But for some of them, I couldn't remember the entire video. So then I would go to the actual <laughs> video. And so it made me relive everything. That's how we get you. Yeah, that's how you get me. Um, I'm going to take this moment now to um, unhold my phone and read something that my co-host on Crash Course Podcast, Steve Nagel, sent me. Hey, Steve. Sorry you couldn't be here. Um, yeah, he wanted to be here. It's his birthday. You want to wish happy him happy birthday? Happy birthday, Steve. Um, and so uh, that's can, not why it's here. We can sing happy birthday to you now. It's, it's, it's now... In the public like domain, domain. Yeah, yeah. I, re- I remember seeing that. I was like, really? Because I that was the, one of the one of the first things when I started my podcast is a friends of mine said, "Do not sing Happy Birthday yeah. on the air. You cannot. You'll be screwed." Um, and so anyway, he writes, and um, so Steve is of course um, works on the a co-host of the Crash Course podcast. He also is a writer for Classical Light, and he writes for our site when we actually make time to write articles again. We mostly just do podcasts. So um, he has a little something for you first, Mike. Um, I love your sharp-witted approach to questions raised by the Idea Channel. Your thorough, unpatronizing uh, dissection of the world affairs has in part inspired how we approach music analyst, uh, analysis here at Crash Chords. Oh. And so he wanted me to share that with you. And That's then he had nice. two questions. Um, he wants to know how you first got involved with with uh, PBS Digital Studios. And then his second question is, how extensive is the research team behind your videos? Is it just you or do you have a bunch of people who work on it um, for, for, each, for all the videos? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'll answer those in order. Um, the uh, <laughs> How did I get involved with PBS? Do you want the short version or the long version? The short version's really short. Uh, we'll do the short version, sure. Uh, they called me while I was sitting at my kitchen table writing music and said, do you want to make a YouTube show? And I said, yeah, sure. Um, is there a shorter, longer version? Um, I was making performance art with friends of mine in New York City about the internet and internet culture and how um, those things, we saw those things having a larger impact mm-hmm. in the world. Um, and that work that we were doing, making that performance art, got us on um, a YouTube show called Offbook. Okay. Which uh, is no longer made, but was PBS Digital Studios' first YouTube show. Got it. Um, and that Offbook was made by Cornhaber Brown, who is the production company that currently produces Idea Channel. Cool. And so after me and my friends were on this episode of Offbook because of our expertise related to, you know, funny maymays, um, uh, PBS Digital Studios reached out to our friends, Cornhaber Brown, and said, hey, do you know this guy, Mike? Like, does he want a YouTube show? And they said, oh, well, let's find out. And so then it's, you know, the rest is history. history. Which is, it's especially funny because it's, you know, I know the guys <clears throat> from Cornhaber Brown from the time when me and my friends worked at Know Your Meme, oh, which wow. is another job that we yeah. got because we were making performance art about the internet. So it's, you know, it's weird. Being a weird artist in New York, yeah, we very, it's, it's very, a thing that could happen. I was very lucky that it, it ended up ended up you know uh, working with a really great broadcast organization. That's that, awesome. It's so much so much fun and you know has such great sort of public opinion. Yeah, for sure. And then so research. The research team is so uh, this is another thing that has recently changed. So up until very recently, I did a hundred percent of the research and writing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, probably about I think it was maybe maybe like ten or twelve videos ago. Mm-hmm. You can tell if you look at the. 
credits okay. for every episode. Um, we started uh, employing my friend Patrick, uh, Patrick Davison, as a consulting producer on the theory that we use. Oh, cool. So he takes a look at every episode, sort of makes sure that the thought is um, justifiable, making sure that the theory is communicated correctly or mm-hmm. at least, um, you know, uh, earnestly, accurately. Uh, and Patrick and I, Patrick is actually one of the people who I was making performance art with. Oh, nice. So it all, it's, comes, full it all comes full circle. So we've been working together. You know, we were uh, close friends in college. I mean, we've known each other for a very long time. Um, and so it's great to work together. And he brings not only uh, an area of expertise because he's, you know, getting a PhD from NYU in media culture and communication. So, so exactly, he knows his stuff. Yeah, so he knows his stuff. Um, uh, he also knows the stuff that I'm interested in and the sort of tone that I write in. So... Um, awesome. That's that's a big, it's a huge, huge help. And more and more we're starting to sort of pull in temporary experts and boffins and uh, consultants for things where I want to make sure we get everything right. So, you know, we had comic book people take a look at the Deadpool episode that oh, came cool. out today. We have, you know, sometimes we have Joe Hansen from It's Okay to Be Smart look yeah. at the science-related stuff nice. to make sure we're getting everything right. Very cool. Um, one of the last things I wanted to ask you about, so you have a personal YouTube channel as well. Yep. And of course, once I went through the backlog, I was like, need more <laughs> stuff. What else does he do? And that's how I found your band camp and your, uh, and your personal channel. And so, you know, you do vlogs for that. Um, I love the first video, the meta video, where you talk about <laughs> making a vlog. Um, and you do them every once in a while. I would say rare, rarely. Maybe like once every <laughs> six months, I'll do one. Is, is that a thing that you wanted to do just to do something different from Idea Channel? Or is it something because people asked you, are you going to do a vlog, so you wanted to do? Like, how did that kind of come to yeah. be? So there are some times I will have an idea for a video that is not Idea Channel related. It's sure. just, it's like I want to make a one or two minute long thing that for whatever reason I feel is only communicatable <laughs> via a YouTube video. Um, because my reflex will be to... Just like write a blog post, sure. But sometimes I'm like, no, no, no. This like this has to be a video. <laughs> yeah. And the meta video was the one I had that idea, and I thought maybe this is a sign that I should just start a vlog. So I think I had that idea, and then made the video within the span of three hours. Oh wow. Um, and then just kind of followed the momentum for the next couple videos. Mm-hmm. Things, ideas came out of the first idea. You know, like, what is the usefulness of a vlog? Yeah. You know, why why should I be doing this? What do I expect people to get out of it? Um, which then, I think, you know, a month or two later connected to um, vlogs where people don't do anything. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I don't know. You find out what you get from it. I'm going to do nothing. And that was really interesting to watch. Like, it's weird. It, it's it's so weird, weird how weird it is. Yeah. Like, I remember watching that and I'm like, he's not just going to sit here and... And you do, and it's like it's literally like it's voyeur, it's very voyeuristic, yeah. And it's just bizarre, but it was interesting, and I don't know anyone else who's done something like that. And it's also it's like weirdly comfortable, yeah. Like you get, you're like, I'm not gonna, this is gonna be, and then after five minutes, you're like, I, how have I watched this for five minutes? Yeah. Um, I mean, that was inspired by there was this woman on the early days of YouTube called Maggie Bond mm-hmm. who would just who just made videos of her staring at the camera, and that was it. Wow. They were and they were called me doing nothing. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the most recent one um, was one where I I was it's actually I was writing a tweet mm-hmm. and I and I couldn't figure out how to write it in a sane number of tweets. Mm-hmm. I think I got to 15 tweets mm-hmm. for this idea that I wanted to communicate. And then I thought, well, this is too long for Twitter. It's too short for for Tumblr for a blog post. 
I'll just make a video. And I think it's a minute and 15 seconds long or something. Yeah. So that's that's how that And I think you did one where it was just you answering questions but without the questions, was it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or it's just all the answers? Yeah, that one I did. So it's um uh, uh, my girlfriend Molly asking me my fa- favorite things. Okay. Uh, like by category. So what's your favorite song? What's your favorite color? What's your favorite food? Except I didn't know what she was going to ask me. Um, and I did that because I, I think I actually even said a couple minutes ago, like, I'm terrible at picking favorites. Yeah. And so that was, I, I really wanted to figure out what, it's like, I'm in front of a camera, I'm going to promise myself I'm going to put this on YouTube. You have to say what something. What happens if I, I force myself? What is the, th- what, where do I go? Like, what are the, what are my gut reactions to this? Mm-hmm. Knowing that I have to now choose my favorite movie. Right. What comes out of my mouth? Sure. Yeah, I I find that it's like people. My my favorite thing is once people find out that I'm a music podcaster, the first thing they go is, "What's, what's your favorite, favorite album?" Favorite album? Yeah. And it's just like, "What is your favorite album?" So it's tough for me. I can narrow it down to genres. I will say that. Can my, you do like a? Can you? So my favorite is. Can you do like a top five? Yeah, or like even a top three. I, so I can for sure do um, like because also favorite artists are tough for me. So I have a top five favorite musicians. Okay, and it's Billy Joel. Okay, uh, Queen. Oh yeah. Um, Matchbox 20. Okay. Um, Eve 6. And then um, um, Schaefer the Dark Lord, who's a local indie rapper who I'm a huge, huge fan of. And he, Schaefer he, the Dark Lord. Yeah. Okay, he's I'm become a recent recent favorite um, who I've befriended over the years. That was always interesting. Like, I was a fan of his music. I interviewed him analog for my website back in the day where we spoke in a bar and then I transcribed it, which is the most annoying thing to do. Yeah. It was before the days of podcasting. Um or me podcasting anyway. And uh, then we became friends. And now, like, me, him, and his girlfriend and my wife hang out all the time. And then I'll still have moments where I go, oh, man, that's Shape of the Dark Lord. Like, you know. That's awesome. Um, so, I mean, when, you know, when you get to be friends with awesome people, like, that's such a great feeling. You're like, like you, you take a moment. Yeah, you're like, oh, my I'm God. friends with that awesome person. Everybody I know is so talented. <laughs> and I don't do anything. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Um, so those are my top five favorite artists. Top five albums is tough. I mean, my, one of my favorite... Albums of all time is Night of the Opera by yeah. Uh, by yeah, Green. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Beatles, it's tough to pick a favorite album. B- Billy Joel, my favorite album, strangely, is... Well, actually, not strangely, is Stormfront. Okay. It has nothing to do with my last name being Storm. Uh, my favorite song by Billy Joel of all time is We Didn't Start the Fire. Okay. It's my karaoke party trick. I know all the lyrics to We Didn't Start the Fire. Which is... That is um, almost a magic trick. It is. Yeah. And so, and so I'll pull that out, and it's my favorite thing to do. I'm not confident about a lot of things, but I'll go to a karaoke bar with friends. And you're like... I'll, I'll start the song, and people are like, oh, and then I'll turn away from the screen and <gasps> just sing it, and they'll be like... Bold uh, move. Yeah. That is bold. Yeah. And, and I've only screwed up a couple times. Most of the time, I've been pretty on point I'm pretty impressed with myself my goal now is to do that with a song from Hamilton any song from Hamilton yeah because the, the they spit those songs so fast sometimes there is like, there is a density to them yeah yeah um, so that's a life goal for me karaoke Hamilton um, which you can do at the way station on Sundays they have nerdy which is <laughs> karaoke but they have a swath of nerdy tracks like they have they have regular stuff too, but they have Jonathan Colton, they have Hamilton, they have show tunes, like all sorts of stuff. Perfect. Uh, my friend Joe, who's been a guest on my other podcast um, a few times, he hosts it. And so if you want to do karaoke with a bunch of nerds who won't judge you, the yeah. way station has got you covered. Karaoke, I love this. Awesome. Um, but um, I'm I'm stalling because I don't have ready to answer. You're putting me through I mean, exactly. I so I, like, I, I think I have the opposite problem, which is that I don't think... I have favorite 
artists. Yeah. But I, but you definitely have favorite I albums. I have favorite albums. You know, like I, my gut goes right to um, Emergency and I by the Dismemberment Plan. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing record. Raising Sands by um, uh, Robert Plant and Alison Krauss. Yeah. Uh, Language of Cities by um, uh, Maserati. Uh, really love, really, really love Haunt Me, Haunt Me, Do It Again by Tim Hecker. God, I love that record so much. Uh, but I don't, it's like, yeah. does that then mean, I don't know why I have such a, then a hesitation to say, well, Tim Hecker is one of my favorite, and I think he is. Yeah. But I, I think I, maybe, I think maybe Tim Hecker <laughs> and D- D- The Dismemberment Plan would be in the top five. Yeah. But then that's like, man, who goes, who goes alongside them? And they can't be in numerical order. Yeah, like, and it's like, is like, it... Like, all those bands I listed, they're yeah, no, all, no. even, like, it's got No, it's not yeah. hierarchical. Which I'm yeah. sure my, my friend Schaefer would be so ecstatic to be on the same level as Queen and, and, yeah. and Matchbox 20. But, um, but yeah, it's one of those things where I just, I get nervous. I also do that a lot too. What you did was one of my favorites. I can't yeah. just definitively say my favorite. Yeah. It has to be one of my favorites because there's, then there's... For a- this reason <laughs> on today, because I think this about myself. The other thing I get hung up on is I would say that St. Vincent is one of my favorite musicians, period. You we know, reviewed any- her most her most recent record. Loved it. I'd never heard her before. Heard that self-titled record and blew me away. Ain't Annie Clark is a genius. Unbelievable. But weirdly, I don't know that I would put any of her records in my favorite, favorite. records. Right. But her output as a musician is flooring. Oh my god. And yeah. I and I don't know how to reconcile uh-huh. that disconnect. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I had not heard her or Shara Warden, My Brightest Diamond, mm. until we reviewed them on our other show, and then I was blown away. I was like, like they reminded me of Florence and the Machine, who yep. I did know, and I was like, these guys are amazing. Like Digital Witness off that self-titled record is probably one of my favorite songs of that year. In fact, we did a year in review, it might have been my favorite song of the year when we did it. Um, but I could probably talk to you all night long. These episodes are usually about an hour or so, and we've already gone over that, and I don't want to keep you here all night. All right. But um, but I do appreciate you coming on. Um, I would like to ask on the air um, if someday in the future you would come at the end of a month and be on our other show and review an album with us and yeah, bring an album. I would love to. Awesome. So here's a, here's the thing that I do, and I don't know, I don't want to, I want to invite you to this process. Okay. And not invite this process to your show. Okay. So if this is something that you're interested in, we should figure out how to do it. Okay. I have I go on um uh like I have I call them listening projects uh-huh. where I will try to listen to the entirety of a discography of a band that I'm not familiar with and then try to sort of figure out I think the crass way of saying it is what their deal is. Okay. But really to try to understand the breadth of their output and how they have progressed. So like most recently I've done this with Fleetwood Mac. Oh, nice. Who I had, I had never... Your greatest hits band, right? Well, so you just listen to the hits. So here's the thing. No, I'm not even that. I'm listening to Fleetwood Mac records and, and thinking, oh, I know all the words to this song. I know this song. I didn't know this was a Fleetwood Mac song. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, and I've done it with friends um, with the Swans, uh, or Swans. Uh, we reviewed one of their albums, the most recent one. That was a chore for us. <laughs> yeah? Right. I just felt because they had a 30-minute song on there yep. that didn't, to me, warrant being 30 minutes. Like, I found Golden, and we and we try to never say, this sucks, because that doesn't explain anything. Like, okay. We always, we break down albums track by track, and we always try and go into it and why we like it, why we don't, what's up with it, but I really struggled with that album. Like, it was hard for me to I mean, find stuff in it. They are repetitive and difficult, yeah. which are two things that I very much enjoy in sure. music. Sure, right. So it's like, you know, I get it, yeah. But, but we always try and look past personal taste but sometimes it's challenging it's tough so I have a podcast to recommend to you called the 
Music A to Z podcast. Okay. They're Canadian. Don't hold that against them. Um, Deadpool's um, Canadian. Steve and Doug. And we've become brethren in arms, so to speak. For for every 50 episodes for our anniversaries, we try and do something besides reviewing music. Mm -hmm. Like, we'll either reflect on our show or we'll, we'll discuss something the whole episode. And our most recent one, we... We talked about other music podcasts, and we d Steve discovered their podcast. They every week, uh, I think it's every week or every couple weeks, they d pick a letter of the alphabet and do the discography for that artist. Yeah, and they talk about it, and they actually play some of the music. We don't play the music on our, our show. We link to the Spotify playlist. Yeah. They actually play samples of the music, um, and we've discovered, uh, developed rather a rapport with them and become friendly with them, but... Um, I would definitely advise you to check out that podcast. So that's like, so like they'll, it'll be a D week and yeah. they'll listen to the Dead Kennedys. And do all of their discography and yeah. then talk about it. What? Yeah. Um, and so, they, and they do it alphabetically. They go from A to Z and then when they hit the Z, they start again at A and pick a different band. I'm going to check this out. You, you, I think you'd really dig it. They're, they, one of the more recent ones I listened to was for um, a band they recommended for our show called Neon Indian. So we reviewed their newest album, and then I went back and listened to their show talking about the band, and it was really interesting to do that. Cool. So um, I want to check this out. So I would love to work on a process like that with you. I would be hesitant to podcast about it only because someone does it. Let's not step on toast. Yes, but um, but we would love to have you on. We um, we we recently had to change, like you've ch made changes to PBS Idea Channel. Um, we used to do any album, bring any album and review it. And then very recently, like Shape of the Dark Lord, when he was a guest, brought Check Your Head by Beastie Boys, mm -hmm. which is a great record. But we try, we're trying then to compare an album that's 20 years old to modern music standards. Yeah. It becomes a challenge because we're trying, we rate on a scale of, of zero technically to five with, with decimal points in between. But we, it's hard to give an older record that quality wise is just not as good because the tech was different. To something that's produced better now because of the technology. It's just, it, we get into right, weird you're territory. Like, you don't know where the relativism of the scale is like, how do you account for, you know, how do you account for those differences? Yeah. So instead, we, we have a caveat that it has to be within the last couple of years um, just because it makes it easier for us to analyze it. So, well, it ha and it has to be a full length album because we've had people bring EPs and we struggle to have enough content to discuss because the podcast on average is between an hour and a half and two hours. Yep. If we do an EP, it's like we're done in a half hour. It's like, um, so now what? <laughs> So, so we would love to have you. Uh, I'm speaking on behalf of both of my co-hosts because who cares what they think? I'm here now, <laughs> and I created the site. We would love to have you on. We do the last. We record Mondays, and we do the last Monday of every month. We have a guest, and so cool. we'd love in the, in the near future to have you on as a guest on that show and bring an album. Would love to. Awesome. If there's if there's a thing I love, it's talking about music. That's that. I see and. It's funny because there are two kinds of people who talk about music. They're the kinds of people who will be like, oh, I like that thing. That thing's great. And then this kind of person goes, well, see, but the lyrics really mean, though, is this. But if you think about it, it also means this. <laughs> and so I can be both those people, but I find I'm more the second. And when I encounter someone who's just like, oh, I like a thing. And then I start going on about the thing. They're like, oh, that's, that's nice. Cool. And then you feel cool. weird because you're like, no, it's fine. No, you, no, do, no, like, do. you do like it. It's just <laughs> I'm weird about the details of... Um, and so before we wrap up, um, uh, is there anything you specifically want to promote? Obviously, PBS Idea Channel, but is there some stuff you would like our audience to go check out specifically? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's so we're currently, uh, the podcast uh, Reasonably Sound is currently in hiatus because we're I'm changing distributors. The show is going independent. Okay. Uh, but now is a good time to like, if, if you are looking for a new podcast uh, and if you're interested in sound, or even if you're not, um, to check in and get like caught up. I think there's... 
20 something episodes Mm -hmm. uh, and they're each maybe like 15 to 20 minutes so it's not a whole lot of listening Um, and then hopefully in the next like month or so all of the kind of practical shenanigans with moving a podcast to a new home yeah. uh, will be done with and then uh, you know we'll be off off to the audio races awesome if you ever want to have someone talk about music and and in depth on your podcast I would love to do that no um, um, so um, so definitely check that out please check out the idea channel um, I think that as far as educational interesting YouTube shows like I watch my fair share of YouTube streamers who just yell at video games but I can only do so much of that, and so I mean that's an important thing to have in your life. It is, but Idea Channel I think is one of those things that if you have any interest in learning a thing and wanting to learn a thing without necessarily, you know, going to your typical sources, you know, Idea Channel is a great source for that. Thanks. Um, and then the last thing I would ask is we have a sign off on both this show and the other show, which is music is life and life is good. And I was wondering if you'd do us the honors of signing us off. Absolutely, music is life and life is good. If you enjoyed these interviews, please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, music is life, and life is good.